guys, this is Ciro Nielli. I am the executive producer of Nickelodeon's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and you are listening to the Master of One podcast. Welcome to this Sandbox episode of the Master of One podcast, part two for this week. This week, we talked to creative jack-of-all-trades, staff writer at Cartoon Network, Mark Vegeta. I'm Andrew, your master of art and design. I'm Patrick, your master of television and film. And I'm Luke, your master of toys and games. So get that notepad ready, because it's time to get schooled. I don't want to write anything anymore. episode we are excited to talk to somebody who is a producer voiceover actor and all-around creative staff writer at cartoon network ladies and gentlemen welcome mark fajita to the show okay <laughs> hello everybody good to have you man <laughs> i love it i think you're the first person we've had on the show that can uh well since you can write i assume you can read and I think that this is a huge milestone for us. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's only taken us uh, 200 and some odd episodes to get there. But to hey, congratulations. Here, yeah. Wait a you second. Know? We've had people that Excellent. have written books on the show. Yeah. <laughs> but writing. Well, I guess that's exactly what Patrick just said. So anyway. Um, so, Mark, we're, we're ecstatic to have you on the show. You, like I just listed off a, a handful of things and not even scratch the surface of who you are. So give us right. the Wikipedia page, the Reader's Digest condensed version of, uh, of your story and let all of us know uh, who you are and, and what you do. Okay. Um, well, uh, my name is Mark Fujita. Um, I'm currently a staff writer at Cartoon Network on an undisclosed show. Um, I guess my path to this point, um, I graduated from the Academy of Art uh, College in San Francisco with a um, Bachelor's of Fine Arts in Motion Pictures and Video. Mm -hmm. And then from then, um, I, I was an intern at IGN, and then I was a oh. um, copy editor at... Uh, uh, Chinese comic book company called Comics One, and then I was a <laughs> I was a game tester at EA, and then I decided to make the big move from San Francisco to LA because there were no jobs really in the animation industry. Um, to and that was like a four hundred mile um, commute, <laughs> I guess. And then the, the first job that I had down in L.A., which actually was in Burbank, was uh, an internship for an anime dubbing company um, called Bang Zoom Entertainment. And then I was there. I rose the ranks to creative director. And then I think a few years later, I was able to make a bunch of connections and I was able to break into... Warner Brothers, and I was lucky enough to get an assistant production manager position on Green Lantern, the animated series. Wow, yeah. And yeah. then um, from then, I, uh, I went on to uh, the Scooby WrestleMania um, DTV, which is the direct video. And then I jumped around to different um, companies such as Titmouse, Bento Box, 
Um, and then I came back to Warner Brothers. Oh, and uh, Starburns. Mm. And then um, just recently, I was lucky enough to get the staff writing position at Cartoon Network. What is the time span for this? Because it's that 16 like, weeks. That's it. Is this like five years? or is No, like- no, no. This is, uh, let me think. It's about, I would have to say 17 years. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Holy cow, those are some names. It, for a second, you, you made the comment that I, I made the long move or the long <laughs> transition, and I was thinking, oh, he's still in California. Right. No, 400 miles is a bit. So, yeah, you definitely – that's uh, that's a big change to make. And so were you at that point – were you kind of starting over when it came to uh, like the the professional relationships that you had at least locally or were you kind of leveraging those to make that transition? Yeah, it was was actually a a huge reset for me. It was huge – it was a huge leap um, for me – as well as like a lot of people who would move 400 miles away from home. But the weird thing is that when I, when I moved down to, to Burbank, it really didn't feel like I never felt homesick. I just felt like this was the right thing to do because up North, I mean, you have like Pixar and you have Lucas, but really those are the only two companies in the Bay area. Mm. And so if you don't get into one of those, um, you're kind of left to like a lot of the smaller companies. And I really wanted, I mean, I'm Japanese, so I love anime and I wanted, I really wanted to break into to Japanese animation. And even though, even though it was, a, it was just a dubbing company, I, uh-huh. I felt like it was the right, like first step to get into, to anime. Sure. sure. So was your goal to be, an, like an animator specifically? I mean, that's what it kind of sounded like from your, maybe your college background and then uh, some of the path that you were taking. Um, my, my first goal was actually, um, the Academy of Art is, is really well known to set you up as an editor, like a video editor. Okay. So for the longest time I wanted to, to be that, but um, I just couldn't, I just couldn't break into that sort of, um, that sort of job. And then when I got into to Bang Zoom, even though I started out as as like an intern and I was really just like setting up schedules and like calling different voice actors and making sure that the booth and the studio was clean and ready and the scripts were ready to go. Um, I found out that the president actually wanted to get into like uh, original, like creative things. And because he he found out I had a a film background, he actually kind of, it kind of opened up. Um, and then we were going to anime expo and I created this like intro video for him with all like the voice actors and everything. And it kind of introduced bang zoom to the public. And he was really happy with that. And then he started doing more, um, original projects. There was like an adventures in voice acting documentary that, um, I got to travel to like uh, Texas and I got to travel to New York. And then um, he, I, I got to meet like Tony Oliver and together he was like, you guys go to Japan and we're going to, we're going to try to make a Robotech documentary and a Power Rangers documentary. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how is that? I mean, <laughs> that's a story. Like, how yeah. That- so, um, 
I guess because because of my background, because of the film background, and because I do know I'm not fluent in Japanese, but I'm like highly skilled in Japanese. Mm-hmm. So he was like, we can send Mark and Tony Oliver. And for those who don't know, Tony Oliver is the voice of Rick Hunter. And he's also the producer on Power Rangers. So it was like a two hit combo where it's yeah. like, oh, we'll go to Japan. We'll go we'll go set up interviews with the creators of Macross and the creators, I got to I got to go and interview the the head producer at Toei, and uh, he talked about like the generate. He was the producer since like 1979 on the Super Sentai, and then we also got to interview the artist who designed all of the the monsters in Power Rangers, and so that was yeah. like crazy like wow. an adventure. Um, but uh, yeah, like when you, when you say he designed all the 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 monsters for Power Rangers, I, I mean I grew up on the Power right. Rangers. They were you know they were my jam, and right. I just remember the ridiculousness of these monsters, especially going back and watching some of like the replays <laughs> now. Um, there was like an ice cream monster, and no, absolutely, yeah. Oh my gosh, the just they're so crazy. <laughs> what was that experience like connecting with somebody who who created? these these characters that ended up becoming you know essentially for a generation kind of pop culture um icons i mean it was it was it was crazy for me it was it was it was definitely a uh uh like a check off of the bucket list because for me it was i actually when i was little my parents would go to the japanese video store and we would get the Super Sentai videos like years before Power Ranger even existed. So by the time that Power Rangers came out, like I was like, I was way too old for Power Rangers. But at the same time, I would be like, hey, look at that show. That show is like the show that I used to watch. I'm going to watch it ironically. And then secretly, I was like, I love this show. (laughs) And and I would continue watching it. Um, and And to this day, I still like, check up on it but just to be just to like one of my dreams for working for a company was to actually travel with them and I got that opportunity there and then to to actually have the opportunity to travel to Japan and then go to act go to the actual company that made Power Rangers was was awesome (laughs) yeah so while you were there did you actually do um, some voice acting. Um, when I was at when I was at Bang Zoom, um, not in Japan, but like in right, Burbank, yeah, right. they um, they were they would always let the interns like try it out, and then they they kind of learned, or they kind of learned that I was really interested in, in not necessarily pursuing like voice acting as a career, but just. I mean, it's the dream of every anime fan to be in anime. And so just to have that opportunity and at the same time, it was like getting that like booth experience of like how to handle the mic and like just to project and that sort of thing. Like that experience kind of helped me like understand, okay, well, this is great. I don't think I want to pursue this as a career, 
but right. it was it was it was great experience. Well, so that's the thing that okay, so you had give or take 500 jobs in 15 years. Um, <laughs> I mean, you had a few, right? You, you right. moved around, a, maybe, not that many, but it was a few. And right. then, but on top of that, we have, okay, video editing initially is kind of the, the thought. And then yes. we move into, um, I, I know at some point you started doing some, some writing, but then you talked, right. but there was some voiceover work. I don't know how extensive it is. I know that you were also kind of doing your, producing your own videos on the side, um, and then you were, um, you know, doing these interviews, um, right. you talked about pursuing, um, some of the animating and then to jump to the, to the future now, the, the staff writing position. So right. not only have the jobs changed a lot, but the responsibilities have changed a lot. So was this a period of, I mean, of discovery of what you really wanted to do? Was this, uh, you know, an, a, a bit of a indicator of, uh, getting bored easily? Like what, what was happening in this, you know, this 17 year span moving around, uh, not just geographically and not just within organizations, but also moving between job titles. So, um, for me, I was, I was always interested in being a creative. Um, I was always the, I was always the kid, the artist kid. I would always, when I was in, when I was in high school, I would, I would, draw comics and write comics. And I was never really interested in just being like a penciler or an inker or just a writer. I was interested in being the guy who created the entire book. So mm. it's like, I was interested in being Todd McFarlane or like Eric Larson and creating like Spawn or like Savage Dragon. Sure. Just like, just, just creating everything. And the, the, the strange thing is that I noticed when I would create comic books, I would, I would think of the story and then my, my drawing skills weren't quite up to par. So by the time I finished the first book, I had always thought of the stories for like issue 50. I'd be issue 50 down the, the road <laughs> in the writing. That's and I'd only be- <laughs> <laughs> No, absolutely. So when I finished issue one, I was, I felt like I was, behind like I had all these stories that I wanted to tell and so when I went into um it was it was a weird thing because when I went into went into college I was like oh I'm gonna I'm gonna focus on motion pictures because when I was in high school I took this video production class and I really enjoyed it and so I was like okay I'll I'll do that and then when I when I graduated I actually um during my junior year I realized and this was when I was in, when I was in college, there was no YouTube. Mm. There was no like uploading your video to anywhere. So what you would have to do is you would have to like build buy film stock, record, get it, print, get a print and then send it to festivals. And you weren't even guaranteed that like it would, it would even, they would accept you, yeah. let alone like win a contest to, get the chance to go to like some Hollywood producer. So I was like, I wasn't really interested in that, but then I fell back on my comics and I was like, well, what if I combine comics with, with film? And that's where I got to animation. I always loved animation. So for the last year of college, I switched my major over. I didn't really switch my major over. I just, I think I took a minor in animation. Mm -hmm. And so, so after that, I wasn't quite 
like a film major and I wasn't quite an animation major. So I kind of like, like fell off the map a little bit. So I had to like, kind of, kind of find my way to, to become, I guess, essentially what I am today. And it was, it was kind of a crazy journey because at, when I got into, when I got into Warner brothers for the first time as an assistant production manager on green lantern, I thought I wanted to be board artist, so mm-hmm. I actually pursued that for about five years, and then I realized that I was around all of these these like pros, and I was nowhere near the level that I needed to be to become a board artist. And I never it never occurred to me be, to be a writer because I always just assumed that you had to major in English or journalism. Or like you had to, you had to know like AP style and all right, this. Right, like, right. yeah, you had, to, you had to cite in MLA. Exactly, yeah. and so, and then, and then at the same time, it was like there's, there's no way, and there's a, there's kind of a stigma where it's like you go to Hollywood, everyone's either an actor or a writer. Yeah, sure. everyone has a story, and I didn't want to be kind of judged by that yeah so it took me a while to get to writing and it was actually up until um i was i was working on uh justice league action as an assistant production manager and i at that point i was like you know what i really want to be a writer i think i'm at the level that i need to be because i would write scripts i'd give them to my friends and they would be like yeah, hey, this is good. This. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's like, Hey, this is good. Just change this little thing. And then, and then you're good. And I'm like, is that it? Like, am I at a pro level now? And I wasn't really sure. Sure. And so luckily for me, I got teamed up with, um, this director on justice league action who, who is amazing. Who is phenomenal. Who's actually the showrunner for Benicula now, but he kind of took me under his wing and there was an opportunity that really didn't seem like an opportunity. So what happened was one of the scripts came in. Uh, my director said it was garbage. And he was going back and forth with the writer. This isn't one that you write. wrote. This Someone else wrote this. This is, this is one okay. that someone else wrote. So okay. then they went – they kept going back and forth. And finally the writer was like, hey, it's like you need to put these notes into final draft. And – my director was like, hey, hey, Mark, you know Final Draft, right? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, he threw me the script and he's like, put these notes into Final Draft. And then what ended up happening was that night I was like, I put the notes in. I was like, you know what? All this needs is dialogue. So then I just was like, all right, let me take a chance, put in the dialogue. And then I fully knowing that I could get fired for this <laughs> sort of thing. And so... I turned it into my director. He was like, this is amazing. Fantastic. I was like, oh, okay, cool. And I was like, well, I better, I better check with the writer because the writer was my friend. He was actually a head writer on Green Lantern. And so I gave it to, I gave it to him just expecting the worst. And he was like, this is awesome. I didn't want to write this. Like you did me a huge favor. <laughs> Thanks for doing my job. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, okay, cool. And then... Um, from then on, my director was like, Mark can write, I'm going to throw him all these scripts and 
the thing is I didn't get paid. I didn't get credit. Mm. But at the same time, it was the it was the greatest like education I could have gotten. Like because I look at it like I could have went to UCLA, paid five thousand dollars for a course that I don't even know if I'm at a level to be in the industry versus what I got, which was I pay nothing. I'm working on a Warner Brothers show that is gonna it's gonna air, and I know like at what level I'm at, and then sure. at the at the end of that, I actually my the the writer called me and was like, "Hey, Mark, I hear that you're they're letting you go. Like it's the end of your contract." And I was like, "Yeah, it sucks, but you know what are you gonna do?" And he's like, "Great." Now you can pitch writing to me. Mm. And so from there, I got to pitch like 10 ideas. They liked four. They sent it to the execs. And I was able to get one script, one Justice League action script. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> so, okay. So I want to I wanna kind of uh, hone in on a couple of things. Right. First of all, you seem to me as as clear as day that you are a guy who goes after a thing and you, right. you drive after it, you drive after it, you drive after it. Um, and you've been doing this for 17 years. Is that what you said? Yeah. Okay, around so, that. Yeah. Okay. So roughly almost two decades worth of, of <laughs> pushing and pushing and pushing. And right. there's two specific things I, I want to ask about in reference to that. One, before we talked, and, and I think you've meant you've alluded to it at least in the actual episode, but before we started recording, you had said um, that this is an opportune moment because when you first agreed to talk to us, when we first scheduled you, you weren't right. where uh, you wanted to be, but now you're kind of this is the thing you've been driving after. You are in the position. Um, Absolutely, you're driving after. So, but then you also said a couple of times <laughs> in this interview. Um, multiple times you said that you were lucky enough to do X, Y, Z, whatever it is. Um, right. So two things, one, how, how much do you think luck actually has to do with it? <laughs> um, if you were to get real honest and, and right. then, you know, obviously uh, compared to how much you actually pushed for it and you made, you made this stuff happen. Yes. And, and then two, what have you had to sacrifice over these 17 years? So maybe start there and then I, I can re-ask that, that maybe deeper question. But okay. what? But how much does luck, quote unquote, have to actually do with this for you? Well, I mean, the thing is, is that I, I don't, I, I don't try to put myself over as far as like, oh, I knew this was going to happen sort of thing. Sure. I always, I always... That's why I, I say it's, it's luck because the thing is I know that every job that I got throughout the years is someone else's dream job. It was never my dream job. But it's like even interning at Bang Zoom Entertainment, which is like uh, to, to a lot of people, it's a huge opportunity. It's a huge anime dubbing company. Um, and it's like I... I was able to, to break in and it was, I was able to climb the ladder. Um, so I don't, I'm not sure as far as jumping into Warner brothers though, I feel extremely fortunate because the thing is, is that it, it requires, it requires a lot of skill and a lot of talent, but you, 
this industry is you could have all the talent, you could have all the skill, but you could essentially never break in. And it it happens because it happened to me because of the people that I knew. So I worked at Bang Zoom. They they ended up letting me go and then they hired this guy to take over my position. And then a year down the line, I meet up with the guy and I want to hate him because he took my, he didn't take my position, but it kind of feels like he took my position. But then I'm like, you know what? Let me meet this guy. And I meet the guy and he's like super cool. And I'm like, can't hate this guy. He's too cool. <laughs> like, yeah, and then, I would have hired you too. <laughs> that's a, that's a, that's and then down gig. the line, he became um, he became the production manager for for the the reboot of Thundercats. And mm-hmm. so he was having a how to break into animation panel that I went to, and luckily I already knew him. So then afterwards, I went, I joined him for karaoke that night and I was like hey look you work for Warner Brothers and Thundercats I will do anything to like break in I will be a janitor whatever it takes and he was like you don't have to be a janitor just give me your resume and the funny thing is is that up until that point I had been unemployed for a year and so I was just looking for any kind of any any shot that he was willing to offer and I had been applying everywhere and then just meeting him. I, I, I gave him my resume like the next day I got an interview. And then two weeks after that, I was hired. So you're still, I mean, and that, and that's an incredible story, but that's still even going back to like, you know, you being situationally put in a place where, uh, things happen to you and like these circumstances are happening around you, you are still right. taking the initiative and, and, you're put, <laughs> and putting forth the effort. Well, a lot of people could have just said, I hate this guy and never, you know, <laughs> not gone any further than that. So I think, you know, give, give yourself the credit. Well, I think in this, it's even in this beyond you. that. You, you could have just, even if you decide to not hate the guy and be like, you know, whatever, right. he's cool. You could have just been, I, I want to get to know him him think I'm cool and then maybe something will happen. But you just said, what do I have to do to get there? Like, right. I want to be there. So you put yourself out there continually. And I think that's right. the thing that I've noticed, like Andrew said. So I, I want to cycle then to the second part of that question, which is a, right. a, arguably a, a deep, a deep question. 17 years you have experience and you've, you've worked your way through lots of different things and so many things that I have, I have questions about, but we won't even have time to explore right now. Right. Right. Um, but, um, but what's, what have you had to sacrifice to get to where, where you are right now and, and where you are right now is arguably the thing you've been striving for, for the last 17 years, you are at the culmination of what these right. last 17 years have been about. What have you had to sacrifice to get there? I mean, um, at this point, because because I'm a staff writer, because I have my dream job, it doesn't really feel like a sacrifice. But during the time, it was it was really hard. Um, a few things that I had to sacrifice was well, obviously, I'd, I moved 400 miles from where I was where I was uh, raised as a kid. Um, but even then, it was like I. I have tons of friends who went to college and who would constantly like be like, I'm homesick. I I yearn to be back. But 
for me, it was like, it felt like I was where I was supposed to be. Um, so I don't know, like sure. to me, it's, it's a sacrifice, but it doesn't really feel like a sacrifice. I think the major sacrifice was the moment I, I, I realized I needed to give up art. That was a major sacrifice. Right. Like I mentally had to be like, cause I had, I had always recognized myself as an artist, like drawing and like Photoshop and even like editing and whatnot. And yeah. There was a point where I, I told myself, it's like, you need to try the writing. You need to try, you need to give up. And granted, it's not like I can still draw, but it was more of like a mental thing where it was like, you need to give this writing thing a go because you don't want to be 80 and be like, if I would have just shifted the way that I thought. Yeah, this could be your trajectory and you don't want to ignore that. Exactly. And so, um, so I think that, that happened, I think that happened about, uh, four years ago when I was like, I need to give up art. I need to give up the fact that I'm an artist. That's, that's a, that's a tough hurdle to get over. Yeah. uh, Gosh. (laughs) And, and the, and the, yeah. yeah, And the weird thing though, is that I, I noticed just this year, um, early in the year, I would talk to all these like, artists and executive producers and whatnot. And they too were like, and they were already like showrunners and like directors and whatnot. And they're like, we're making the shift to be a writer, which I thought was really odd, but I guess, I guess in their minds, writing is where the true creation process starts. Sure. So it's like you, because you can, Throughout being a assistant production manager slash production coordinator, I found that it's like when you when you storyboard a script, you may take like a page and it may take you a week to to do that page. And then if there's any changes, it may take you another week to make those changes. But as a writer, you look at that page and you could make those changes in an hour. Like you just retype. Yeah. And so I noticed, I noticed that there were, there were things where it's like they wouldn't tell the writers to change their scripts. They would just take it to boards, and even if it was wrong, they would re, like, tell the board artists to change it, and it would take a lot of money and a lot of production time. And so I think a part of me was like, well, if I can help everyone out and go to the writing phase, then then it will make everyone's lives easier. Sure. I don't know if that answered your yeah, question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. It, it does, yeah. So I do want to circle up to one thing before we take into final questions. And it's actually um, when you were talking about the, uh, the idea of pushing through as opposed to luck and how some people don't make it, I can't help right. but – believe that you being as extroverted as you are um you know that that hasn't played some part i mean i I know that we've talked to artists in the past that they've talked about really the thing that separated them from someone else was them just being willing to talk to someone or being willing to whether it was make a phone call send an email whatever it is the point is they were they were able to just put themselves out there and not fear rejection on some level and and i think that's you know, I think that's very likely one of the separators for you is that I think you said something about karaoke. 
Um, there are plenty right. of people that would not be willing to get close to anything that was, you know, resembled karaoke. So uh, the I'm reality that Luke right now, Luke, <laughs> <laughs> he can't live within 50 miles of a place that has karaoke. It's like true. it's what it is. So just the fact that you're willing to do that, I mean, I, you know, I don't know if that uh, resonates with you at all, but I, I can't, uh, you know, I have to believe that that is, that has served you well, that you're able to do that. It's, it's funny that you mentioned that because I always, I, I always, I don't think about me now. I think about like me in elementary school. And when I was in elementary school, I was very introverted. And so throughout like, throughout elementary school and high school and college, I would take like specific classes to like speech classes or like public speaking classes. And just to, because I knew that, I knew that, I, I wasn't good at that. And so the, I would always tackle my weaknesses. And so at this point, you telling me that I'm an extrovert, I mean, I, I look at myself now and I'm like, yeah, yeah, I, I am an extrovert. But uh, for, for me, it's still, it still feels like I'm that introvert. But, sure. um, but yeah, I mean, for me, it's like if, if, I, if I wasn't a go-getter and, and able to go out and like do the karaoke and be able to call people and email people for like, to go, go have lunch or whatever. Um, I, I really wouldn't get anywhere. Mm -hmm. So like, for me, it's like, yeah, I, I'm more afraid of not being able to get where I need to go versus calling you guys and saying, Hey, I would like to be interviewed. That would, that sounds amazing. Sure. Or like have lunch with, with a writer who, I mean, and the thing is when I'm, when I'm having lunch with the writer, it's not necessarily, I'm like, give me a job. Like he knows that, but at the same time, it's like, Hey, I want to know, a little bit more about you and hopefully you want to know a little bit more about me. So the, the next time that I email you or contact you, you'll be like, Hey, that Mark guy is cool. Let's consider him for whatever. I may not have any based. Right. Yeah. And so, I mean, I, I have met a lot of artists and who are, who are extremely introverted, but I feel like there's like a, a scale of like talent, versus how introverted you can be. So it's like, for me, it's like, I always felt that I was low on the talent pole. <laughs> so I had to be like that much more extroverted and like put myself out there and be willing to do whatever it takes, be willing to, I mean, because I understand like it is very scary to, to give your script to someone and then have them redline it like completely and like be like, this is all garbage. You need to change these things because that's that that happened to me on JLA. I'd get it back and then I'd be like mortified and crushed. But then the next day I would pick myself up and be like, OK, well, are these notes valid? And for the most part, most of the time they are. And so I'd be like, oh, I can see what they mean by these changes. Type them up. Sure. send it back and um but i guess that's just all growth and yeah. um 
And then, and the other thing is, is that, I mean, I, I go back to the whole, the whole luck thing because I know that there are, there are like millions of people in Hollywood and who would like, who'd kill to have the opportunity that I had to get this position. And it's like, how is it that I'm different than all those people? And, and it's like, I've been to like writing caucuses where there's like the creator of, um, like the creator of Doc McStuffins. And I see her and she talks and it's great. And then at the end of the night, everyone everyone in the audience is rushing the stage. Mm. And at that point I'm like, I'm, I'm just like all these people, like all these people are looking for a job. Yeah. And it's right. like, what sets me apart from these people and what can I do so that I'm just not another person going up there being like, give me a job. So sure. I think this is actually a good place uh, to to continue that thought, we'll actually move into final questions. Okay. You made a comment earlier. You made the comment about um, every job that I have is someone else's dream job. Right. And uh, so talk to me, and, and this may be along the lines of what you were just saying, but about what right. that perspective does for you um, when you're, uh, you know, it, it, you mentioned earlier that you weren't quite where you wanted to be. And then now, um, you know, this, this, this latest job maybe is pushing you more to that area. Um, right. That being said, who, who's to say that, you know, maybe two years from now or, or whatever you go, well, actually, maybe this thing is a little <laughs> bit better fit. You know, I mean, right, right. it's possible we've just had 17 years of that. So <laughs> what, so what so when you have those feelings, because certainly there are people listening right now that have that feeling that go like, I'm not sure I'm what I, I I'm doing what I want to be like, I, you know, right. I'm sitting behind this desk, but I want to be over there behind that, you know, you know, with that piece of paper or, or whatever right. it is. How do you set perspective and, and how do you use that thought that, hey, this is someone else's dream job to to maybe like get you through those points and, and uh, keep performing at a high level? Um, so usually when I like initially when I get the job. So, for example, when I got the job as an intern for Bang Zoom, initially there's there's like the. The, the period of like the honeymoon period, which is like, mm -hmm. oh, I'm in, I'm in the anime industry. I'm in, I get to meet like all these anime voice actors. Um, and, but then after a while you get into that point where it's like this, I really want to be a writer or an artist or whatever. And then if for me, if I don't think about like, this is somebody else's dream job, I kind of take it for granted. And then I like, I could easily quit that job and be like, I'm going to move on to the next thing versus yeah. this is somebody else's dream job. I'm, I'm very fortunate to be here. I'm going to, I'm going to take in as much as I can out of this position. And because really like I was at bang zoom for almost three years and I could have easily quit after the first year because I'm like, this isn't what I want to do, but on a resume, three years looks better than one year. Right. And so, and, and the thing is it, it actually happened down to the wire because, um, when I originally agreed to this interview, I was working on Bob's burgers mm. as a production coordinator and everyone turns their head. Like I noticed 
like when you say I work on Green Lantern, people are like, hmm, what's okay? And then you're like, I work at Warner Brothers. And like, oh, I know what that is. Mm -hmm. And I noticed that the moment I got hired onto Bob's Burgers, everyone turned their heads because everyone knew what Bob's Burgers was. That's a property that everybody (laughs) gets on board with. Right. Absolutely. And the thing is, is that, that for me, I had, I had made the decision. I am only going to take writing positions, Mm. but this opportunity came by and it was like, crap, it's Bob's Burgers. Like I love Bob's Burgers. Everybody loves Bob's Burgers. If I pass this by, then I may regret it. And at the same time, it was like my, my unemployment was just about up. And so it was like, I better take this and I better, I better just, just ride it out. And the crazy thing is, is that it was the best coordinating job I've ever had, which was, which, I mean, they had, uh, they had the most money. They had been going on for seven seasons. It, all the perks, like the, the first day I was there, they gave me a Bob's burger sweatshirt. And then the next week they gave me the Bob's burgers album. So it's like, it's like there's no reason for me to complain except for the fact that I was like, I want to be a writer. And every day I would pass by the writer's room and I'd be like, that is what I want. And they would be like joking and laughing. And it's like, how do I get in there? And, you know, there's like with any job, there's protocol. You can't just like go up to people and you can't like, especially after your like first week. So you have to like, <laughs> kind of, you kind job, of like I want to be in that room. So how do I get there? <laughs> you can't, you, you, you gotta Don't work take your, your lunch in there. It's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta, you gotta work your way up to that. But at the same time, it was, it was kind of, it was kind of grueling where it was like, I'm at this great company, but I'm doing this job that I, it's not me. It's, it's, and, and the job that I want is right over there. Yeah. So, so it just so happened that, and, and the other thing, the other thing with the dream job and, and I call it like the miracle job too, working as a writer on Cartoon Network, because it was like, and this is the good thing about jumping to different companies is I had worked at Titmouse years prior on this show called Turbo Fast, which was god awful. And my boss hated me and he huh. spent every waking moment trying to get me fired and he succeeded. So he won, but that took like a five month process. But during that time I'd made friends with a bunch of the animators and a bunch of the artists there. So, and at the moment I was like, I don't know why, I don't know why the universe is like, you get this job at Titmouse because it was such like a horrible experience for me. But at the same time, four, um, yeah, four years later or three years later, um, my, I have lunch with my friend who our other mutual friend was, was who I met at Titmouse Mm -hmm. was pitching a show at Cartoon Network. And at the time I was like really into like, Oh, um, I really, I really want to, I have a show that I want to pitch. So I was going to have lunch with them, figure out if, how I go about pitching to Cartoon Network. Um, during that lunch, he was like, well, 
they do take outside pitches, but usually it's better if you're internal. Like if you're if you're working for the company, they're they're more they're more open to, to hearing your pitch. And so I was like, oh, that that's unfortunate. Well, and then I just so happened to let him know that I wanted to be a writer. He perked up, was like, hey, our friend, our other mutual friend who worked at Titmouse is farther on along the pitching process. He actually got a soft green light. Uh-huh. He's actually looking for writers. Mm. And so then... I contacted him, sent him my samples, and two weeks later, I had this job. And so if I hadn't been, if I hadn't worked at Titmouse, I would have never met this guy. And had I not had lunch with this guy who really wasn't connected to the guy, if I hadn't had that first lunch, then it would have, it could have easily pass me by. Sure. And that's why I say I was extremely lucky yeah. right. because the certain circumstance was very slim and specific um, for me to get the staff writing position. Right. Absolutely. It's yeah. I mean that kind of <laughs> stuff. It's I think I'll go back to what I said before. The key is that you you capitalize on those things, and that's that's right. the thing that not everybody does. Um, my final question: I mean, you are you're focused on something. You know, we've already said it. When you when you have something in your sights, you focus on it and you make it happen. What is the thing that you do, or or how do you how do you recharge? What's the thing that you do when you're not writing, when you're not focusing on your <laughs> career, quote unquote, uh, for you to to get back because I mean you're extroverted you're you're an I would say you're an extroverted introvert still because I don't think anybody truly changes that (laughs) you're Um, an intentional introvert yeah (laughs) that's that's (laughs) the phrase that came in my mind when you were talking about but what I know from being an introvert is at some point you need to recharge yourself so like what right what what do you do uh when you're not being the guy that is uh, that everybody wants to be around? Um, huh. <laughs> um, Karaoke, I mean, obviously. Here <laughs> <laughs> That's my quiet recharge time. Well, quiet the, recharge. Um, I mean, the, the, for, for all, for all geeks and nerds, we all have, we all have the video games. Sure. We all have like, I have a PS4. Um, we all watch, I don't know if we all watch Game of Thrones. Do we all watch Game of Thrones? Well, we, yeah. I mean, we watch Game of you're Thrones. In, you're in good company right now. I can't, <laughs> I can't speak to everybody. Right. Um, but like um, Game of Thrones, TV, uh, Rick and Morty. Um, I actually watch a lot of, a lot of um, TV and animation cartoons right now. I used to watch... I used to be a, like hardcore otaku, like mm-hmm. watching anime. I, I I have an extensive collection of manga at home. I used to always go like weekly. I would go pick up like manga from Little Tokyo or Japan Town. Nice. But it's it's interesting because over the past few years, I've kind of slowed down, and I think it's because I think it's because I 
switch to being a writer and rather than it sounds weird, but rather than like reading about other people's stories, I kind of wanted to create my own. Sure. Sure. And, I think that makes sense. Yeah. And so I think at this point it's like, yeah. Um, it's strange to me because there's a lot of people in animation and even at bang zoom who they're in the anime industry and they're in the animation industry, but there's, there's quite a few people who don't watch animation. Mm-hmm. Like they only watch what they're, they're working on. Sure. And I always found that really weird to me because I was always interested in like, what is everyone else doing? What, what I want to make sure that if I'm writing or I'm creating, it's like, I'm not necessarily copying something. Or if I am copying something, I know that I'm copying something. Sure. And, and it's also like you get inspired by other different styles and other different shows. And, and so I guess for me, it's like, um, well, right now I'm watching like Rick and Morty mm-hmm. and the new DuckTales just aired mm-hmm. and I have friends working on that and that show is amazing. <laughs> and, um, and yeah. So, so it sounds like uh, for you to recharge, it's just researching more work. So, yeah. <laughs> um, so well, it reminds uh, me of Trudy Castle. To be fair, yeah, like, it's, it's yeah, a it's, similar it's thing. Absorbing as much as you possibly can, so yeah. that you have the right inspiration to, to right. move your projects forward. It makes total sense. Tell yeah. everybody where um, they can find you, where they can support what you're doing. They can uh, check check you out all over um, the internet. Well, like, uh, well, right now, if you if you watch. Um, Justice League action, a lot of the episodes that are airing right now are secretly my episodes. Okay, these are the ones that you were talking about that you were writing. Yeah. Okay. Um, the one that I can talk about because everyone everyone knows is there was an episode called uh, Playdate, which is the video game episode. It's the Street Fighter episode. I don't okay. know if you guys have watched that episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's uh, the short that I got to do is they just recently started airing um, like the two to three minute shorts and I got to write one of those. And um, I guess I can let you guys know when that's airing. Sure. Yeah. And then I can, I can definitely let you guys know, like right now I can't tell you what show I'm on, but it's, it's really amazing. Like, Can you say it's... it in Japanese? We don't. We don't know Japanese. <laughs> so that's essentially it doesn't count as an NDA breach, right? I think uh, if we can't understand you, <laughs> um, I, the, the sad part is, is that I, I, I can't because. Oh, we the are mostly title is We're not kind of Japanese. Do yeah, don't worry about it. Uh, okay. <laughs> Say no more. You're working on um, the Mario project. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> for, <laughs> um, for Cartoon Network, yeah, exactly. For Cartoon Network, yeah. but uh, um, yeah, it's great. Yeah, we're like we're really excited uh, about the show, and right now it's um, like this the. This job is like a, it's it's crazy how good this this thing is because we're right now we're just pitching ideas and we're just like talking about the story and care like creating new characters and like creating creating the world and essentially we're we're still in development so this the series hasn't even really started yet mm. and as soon as that happens 
we're going to have so many story ideas and it'll probably be maybe a year and a year and a half before it actually airs, but they'll sure. probably announce it maybe six months down the line. Cool. Well, you'll have to, you'll have to hop back on when it's, when you're allowed to talk about what project it is and we'll, we'll announce <laughs> oh, definitely. it to everybody. So that'd be yes. awesome. That would so be awesome. Before um, we head out of here, um, you have just right. a, uh, just a wealth of, of things to talk about. And I have questions that I have in my list and we just never made it. Um, right. Would you help us choose our categories for next week? Okay. Yeah. Perfect. All right. Well, that's it for the interview portion of the episode. Up next, we're going to draw some tokens. The tokens portion of every week is when we get to find out the categories that we have next week that we have to pick our topics based on. And so I've got these three tokens. They're very real, very tangible. I'm going to put them face down. Um, So this is all that I'm going to see, but I'm going to shuffle them up on my desk and you're going to give me a number mark between one and three and you'll be picking for Luke. Go ahead and give me a number now. Okay. Three Luke, you got art and design your favorite. Thanks. All right. Um, and then go give me, go ahead and give me a number between one and two and you'll be picking for Patrick. I need okay. movies. I need movies uh, this week. Number one, Patrick, you lucky Thank friend. You. All right, good. Patrick oh has TV God. and film. Congratulations, Mark. That means I have toys and games. Um, oh, awesome. Uh, sucks to be me. I guess I got to go buy a new game. Um, <laughs> thank you so much for chatting with us. You're seriously Absolutely. like to say we scratched the surface. Um, you said so many things that I think draws a lot of uh, inspiration for me, draws a lot of, right. man, I could be way better at this than I am <laughs> out of me. And I know that our listeners are that same way. So um, thanks for bringing that knowledge and bringing your experience. Um, Absolutely. You can find show notes and links, to all the stuff we talked about in this episode as well as archives of so many other super talented people. Um, we've talked to, who do we talk? We talked to Diana Ritchie, mm-hmm. um, who is over at, she's the uh, um, executive producer over at Fox. Um, right. You were at Bob's Burgers. So over yes. at Fox uh, with um, American Dad. Um, you can find that interview, which is is very similar. We talked about a lot of this stuff and her journey uh, over at the archive. You go to mf1podcast.com slash archive um, to see all of those episodes. Go to mf1podcast.com, and you can find all of this other stuff on there. Connect with us on social media. Search mf1podcast on all the different platforms. Uh, subscribe on iTunes. It is super easy. doesn't take a lot of time. Um, and you, then you get episodes every single time that they release, and you never have to worry about the release schedule. We come out on Monday. Nope, come out on Tuesday. Tuesdays and Thursdays, um, but if you set it, you never have to worry about forgetting it. But you can also now subscribe on our new YouTube channel. Head over right now and subscribe on there. Help us get our custom link so that we can say something really simple like go to youtube.com slash mf1podcast. Right now it's like 17,000 digits and they're all like numbers and alphanumeric garbage. So go subscribe now um, to help us uh, get that up and running. We have some really cool stuff coming very, very soon on our YouTube channel. So now is the time to subscribe um, while it's fresh and hot out the oven, as as Patrick says daily. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Hourly, nearly. Um, 
Also, to join the conversation, we have an amazing community of incredibly talented artists, uh, designers, illustrators, entrepreneurs, doers, creatives of all types in our Slack uh, community. Go to mofonepodcast.com slash Slack. We love that group of people. There's over 200... uh, probably cl- getting closer to 250 um, people in that community conversing every single day, sharing ideas, sharing um, their work and all sorts of cool stuff. Join that conversation. Um, now do not be, don't, don't hide your stuff under a bushel basket. Um, share it with friends who As are Luke here. says daily. Uh, yeah. That's, <laughs> I, I learned that directly from Luke. He said, he texts me that every morning. Yep. It's super encouraging. It gets my day started <laughs> just right. But for now, we're going to go ahead and get out of here. I'm Andrew. I'm Patrick. I'm Luke. I'm Mark. Peace out. Bye. Hold on to your butt. Otaku Psycho! a great thing that happened at the Dublin airport today. Can I just record this real quick? Yeah. A headstone with the inscription you'll never be forgotten was left at the Dublin airport. (laughs) 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 Well, that'll make it to the bloopers. Cool. All right.